Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where every week we discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming, the industry we love, the industry we are involved in, the industry where most of us came from. You know, normally we get kind of heavy. We talked about ag commodity markets. We talked about trade and tariffs and Trump. We talk about food issues, consumer issues, legislation, things that are kind of heavy, estate planning. I decided, dear friends in agriculture, you are my people and you need a little bit of love. Spring has been elusive in the upper Midwest, the upper plains are snowing right now as I record this today on April 20th. And it's been wet, it's been cold back in my part of the world in the Midwest. Western Kansas, Western Oklahoma, getting killed with winds, fire, drought, parts of Texas on fire. Here's what we're doing today. We're gonna to take a little lighter approach. I've got a friend named Mark Mayfield. You may know Mr. Mayfield. He, like me, is a funny talker. He's also a business-oriented talker. He goes around the country, just like I do, and speaks at corporate events and association events. He's a farm guy former FFA national president, has a degree in agricultural education from Kansas State. He also has his master's in agricultural economics from Kansas State. He publishes a daily email with jokes that you can use called Funnier You. He's a friend, a farm guy, and he's a guest today. Welcome, Mark Mayfield. Thank you, Damien. You had me concerned there a little bit when you said love. I thought I was going to have to you know, give you one of them uh, internet hugs or something, but no, no hugging, no hand holding, none of that. No, none of that today. You know the purpose of being on here. Hey, listen, you know, every week I've got people that tune into my podcast, and I'm very grateful that they do. We're only in like episode number 32 or four right now, and I've got uh, I got people that tune in, and the great thing is we bring them topics. I said when I started this podcast, Mark, that I did not want this to be another thing where we just talked about grain charts and and the weather. Uh, you know, you and I have been on the circuit. There's people at every ag meeting I do that get on stage and they put up a chart of what the spot price of corn is going to be in, in uh, you know, November. And I didn't want to do that. Right. They're always right. <laughs> Not to mention the people in our audiences have this on their phones. They don't need you and I. And, and the funnier one is at some of these ag meetings I go to, they have an, a weather forecaster that's talking about what the jet stream is going to do through November and how that's going to impact the harvest. And I'm like, how in the hell do you know that? Yes. Argentina. Argentina. Yes. I'm suspect about the 10 day forecast. So anyway, we don't, we don't normally do those, but we know the weather has been a challenge for all of our friends in agriculture. We know there's issues. So let's just lighten it up a little bit. Mark Mayfield, talk to me. Well, uh, you're, you're exactly right. I've spent my whole life in ag. Uh, was raised on a hog and cattle operation in Southeast Kansas. And uh, in fact, this will expose my age a little bit. Uh, back in the day when most farms had a milk cow that they used for their home use. Uh, now, I wasn't a dairyman. You were a dairyman, weren't you? I was a dairyman. You That's what I thought. Yeah, well, we didn't, we weren't a dairyman, but, but we had a cow we used for our home use, actually two of them. So we'd always have one that was fresh. And, um, uh, and by the way, I, I remember when I was about 10, I went down and watched my dad. He was a trick milker. Maybe, maybe your dad or you were too. You know, you could, he could knock a spider out of a web from 30 feet, feed a barn, milk a, he could, he could feed a barn cat from about 50, you know, and 
And, uh, and I watched him do that and said, Dad, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Won't you show me how? That's one of the dumbest things I've ever said in my life right there. Would you show me how to hand milk a cow? Yeah, so I had to go down every morning, every night and do that. And then, of course, I got a little older, got a little wiser, and I got a little brother. And uh, so I made him do that. But, but yeah, so a typical uh, kind of uh, operation, not a lot of row crop. But, uh, and then my dad also had a side business that became the major business. Uh, we were at ag construction. We, we jacked grain bins. We put in truck scales. We built hog confinement systems, uh, put up butler buildings, yada, yada. So all ag, and then I taught ag, and then uh, I was in FFA and 4-H all growing up. And, and, then, um, and then I was a lobbyist in ag for uh, 10 years, worked at D.C. and 13 state houses. So, and now I talk to ag groups, uh, a lot of other groups too, but ag is still my heart and soul. Mark Mayfield's my guest, and we are going to, again, dear listeners, lighten it up a little bit. Call this your ag morale booster. I know it's been a challenging spring. It's been a challenging year. Let's get right to that. The mood of agriculture. One of the things that Mark Mayfield and I both do, you know, we take the stage all over North America at these agricultural meetings, and it's important when you're a stage presenter with a comedy background, as he and I both have, to feel the temperature of the crowd, and you can do that within the first 30 seconds, if you're any good, and you feel like you're just reaching out there and touching their forehead. What do you think when you feel the forehead of our agricultural audiences? Well, there's no doubt it's tough right now, but here's the one thing that I've always believed in ag is that even during the tough times, they love to laugh, you know, uh, it's great therapy, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, a good joke's going to uh, raise the price of corn, but, uh, but it, it is good therapy because it, it opens the mind, it refreshes the mind, it keeps you in a better state of mind. Laughter and creativity are definitely connected, you know. So, so I find that even in, the, in tough times, even with uh, the prices where they are and who knows what's going to happen with trade, et cetera, and the new administration, people want to laugh. And, and it's kind of release for them right now. And so ag groups are great audiences. You'd think that with the uh, fifth year of depressed prices, they would be the opposite. But no, I find them very willing to laugh. They're great audiences. Uh, and of course, there's always something that happens in an ag room that doesn't happen in other rooms, I, I think. Uh, you and I have been doing this enough times because if you're doing an ag meeting, you know, I mean, I've done an ag meeting in a Quonset hut. You know, I've spoke on hay trailers like you have, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember working in the middle of a rodeo arena when, you know, a couple of big horses decided to relieve themselves right next to me, you know, that, uh, during the promenade. So, I mean, they're just all sorts of funny stuff that, that happens too, but ag audiences still like to laugh and boy, we got to do it now. Yeah. And I, I would say this, I'm going to look at things on the bright side. I don't think things are as bad as we in ag usually uh, perpetuate. Uh, there's an old joke about this, that agriculture, you know, the old joke about the farmer that goes to the house of ill repute, shall we say, and, you know, the first, the first room was too cheap and the first room was too, you know, too pricey and it was too windy. Anyway, the point is, there's always something to complain about. Uh, but, you know, I've, I'd say my ag lender friends tell me, oh, maybe 10 to 20% of their portfolio they're a little concerned about, certainly not in default, but they've got 10 to 20% of their portfolio they're looking at saying, okay, they're obligating their debt, but they're a little bit shaky. You know, compared to the 80s, it was 80% of the portfolio. And as I point out, there was a time in this industry that some of us remember in the 1980s, 
where land was so upside down, there were some properties the bank wouldn't even repossess because they didn't want it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. To put that in perspective. Yeah, no, uh, it's uh, that the nature of ag is peaks and valleys. And it's always been that way, you know. And so we're in a valley now, but well, a few years ago, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, bean producers and corn producers that kind of like that peak, you know. So we're in one of those valleys. There's no doubt about it. Each year they say, well, we think this is the last year. And then, oh, no, it's going to be another 9% down net farm income. So, yeah, we're in one of those valleys. But uh, I agree with you 100%. There's going to be some fallout. That's called free enterprise. Uh, and, and we'll get through it. We'll survive it as long as we stay the course. Yeah, you got to make smart decisions. You know, a lot of the people that are in trouble made some fairly hasty decisions thinking that there was never going to be a valley in ag again. Didn't happen. So you're talking to two guys with agricultural economics degrees, one of them with a master's. That's my guest, Mark Mayfield. And you're probably saying, all right, but you still are. Uh, you know, by the way, by the way don't, don't ask me how long it took me to get those degrees. <laughs> yeah. well, we all know that Manhattan, Manhattan's a fun place. Maybe it wasn't because you're dumb. Maybe it's just because you're too much uh, down at Aggieville. Aggieville uh, was nice, but I did. It took me a while to get those degrees. I was the uh, uh, only student in Kansas State history awarded a tenure. <laughs> all right you're making me laugh i hope our guests are enjoying it also the again today the the idea was to be a mood booster a morale kick for our friends in ag you are a comedian say something funny now i'm gonna preface mark and i get paid to talk both of us can talk about issues and business but we also have uh, humor in our background he did clubs i did clubs for a while i was a political comedian and then we do this one of the most insulting things in our career is when people say, hey, you're a comedian, say something funny. Because I always say, oh, now what do you do? Well, I'm in the asphalt business. Well, come over and pave my driveway and I'll walk by the paver saying funny stuff the whole damn time you're doing. Yeah, I get that on the plane all the time and I have exactly the same response. What are you, an accountant? Okay, do my taxes, fair trade. Yeah, so uh, yeah. It, that's why sometimes when I, I used to not even use the term comedian. I just say, I work conventions. <laughs> and they thought, oh, maybe this guy, you know, he builds a display sets or something. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, comedian's a scary word to use because then they immediately assume that you're going to jump up and be a circus boy, you know. But uh, we use it, we both used it because it, you know, carries a point, makes the audience laugh. Um, and most of the time, you and I are the same way. Uh, we're just talking. We're just recounting, you know, goofy stuff that that happened uh, uh, to us. Either being raised on a farm or not. I tell people all the time that, you know, my one of my first farm memories was, you know, getting caught smoking a cigarette. So of course, Dad takes me out behind the barn, you know, and rather than, you know, teach me a lesson that I thought I was going to get, he made me smoke two cartons of Camel cigarettes, you know, which of course made me realize I wish he'd caught me with a woman. <laughs> but, uh, but 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 the, 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 there's so much humor in ag life. There's so much uh, humor doing ag groups that uh, God, I just, I just remember uh, doing an uh, ag meeting. It was a seed dealer meeting, and it was in a pizza hut. And he set the uh, he set the uh, podium and the microphone right in front of the salad bar. So I never spoke while you know people were grabbing croutons behind me. But it just we all we do we just remind people the funny stuff that's around us while we make our point. We've made a living doing it. It's an easy way. It's a great way to make a living, isn't it? 
It's a good way to make a living and uh, the travel's a little harder. I should also point out something that, you know, a lot of my listeners, I had someone that um, was very disrespectful on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Because remember, if you want to grow balls in the backbone, just get a Twitter account. <laughs> if you, oh, I know, I know. I've, uh, yeah, you and I have both done the same thing where we've uh, uh, posted a comment that we thought was deserving to the food babe or to a vegan or something like that. And then, yeah, it all breaks loose. And uh, yeah, you've got to have uh, thick skin to do that. Understand what you're getting into. So I had this person that was, uh, you know, very, very tough, not anything they would ever say in real life, but they, they were definitely being diminishing and disrespectful. But what you get, because I don't use the word comedian anymore, nor do you so much, because there is this problem that society has where they automatically are given license that they can sort of be disrespectful to you. And actually, that's something our listeners can appreciate also. In general, our society is so removed from agriculture that if you say the word farmer, if I said the word hog farmer to a normal person at the Chicago O'Hare airport, they would conjure up a vision of a guy with a squealing pig in his arms and a pair of bib overalls. And you and I both know that's insulting and degrading because these hog farmers might have millions of dollars of capital at risk. They are business people. And the same thing, frankly, with comedian. I know that you want to go right down to, gee, I just flew in from Albuquerque. My arms are tired. So I don't ever allow people to call me comedian anymore because I think it's, it has such a connotation of dumbed down dick jokes at a club and, right, and that's and that you're exactly right when you say the word comedian they just they kind of drop you a notch down uh they would never put you in with uh bob newhart jerry seinfeld or some of those people that they, they highly regard but yeah they put you into the lowest possible class uh, of comedian i would uh and you, you're aware of this i and a, a writing buddy of mine we actually wrote a workbook on writing comedy and trust me uh Comedy requires creativity. Creativity requires intelligence. I would submit that good comedians, not all comedians, but good comedians are some of the smartest people on the planet because you have to uh, see and analyze and use techniques that uh, just goes unrecognized when you watch somebody uh, on stage. And, you know, you mentioned something, too, about the hog farmer thing. Uh, that's why I always got a kick whenever some of these legislators that I worked with for years, when they'd say, hey, we're going to go tour a farm or whatnot, they would sometimes show up in, you know, uh, overalls with a, and they'd be chewing on a piece of straw, you know, and because they thought that's what all farmers did, and they didn't realize that they're not really farmers anymore. They're geneticists, they're agronomists, they're computer technicians, they're mathematicians, they're business people, like you said. Yeah, it's fairly degrading. I know that uh, when I lived in Indianapolis, the local media sometimes was at the Indiana State Fair and the guy broadcasting would be in bib overalls wearing a straw hat. Yep. And I honestly would, I wanted to go over and just like and smack him because I thought, you know, that's, that is a degrading picture of what this is. So I guess we're sensitive because you and I are both farm guys, farmers, and also we had been labeled comedians. So Talk about the business of making people laugh. These folks are tuning in, and I want to give a funny story. It's not that funny, but it's uh, you know it puts things in perspective. Mark and I bump the road, uh, and that's what we do. You go to the Indiana Corn Growers Association meeting, you might see Mayfield. You go to the Commodity Classic, and you're going to see Mayfield. You go to the uh, National Pork Producers Council, you're going to see Damian Mason. You go to these different conferences all over, and that's you know the potatoes of New Brunswick. And I'm on stage. We see a lot of interesting 
territory. And deer agriculture, let me tell you, it's not like baling hay. It's not like it's not like putting in drainage tile. It's not like being on the end of a spade. But by golly, there's a lot of work that goes with bumping the road. So, Mark, you've got some good stories. In fact, I'm going to bring this up, painful as it may be. It was about four or five years ago, I'm in a hotel room outside of Buffalo, New York. My phone rings. It's Mark Mayfield. He says, dude, are you open next weekend? I said, uh, actually, I, I think I can be. And uh, then you said, I got a problem. I said, okay. I said, I was checking into the Hilton. I went to my room. The last room they had, because I got in late at night, was a room with a Murphy bed. Well, you're close. Was, you're, you're close. It was, uh, I was checking in right before my show. And uh, they said they were overbooked. And so they put me into the presidential suite. Uh, it's the only room they had, and they said the only bed that, that's in that presidential suite, the sleeping rooms were booked out as individual sleeping rooms, but they said there's a Murphy bed in there. And I said, that's fine. I just, I've got to, I've got to do a program in an hour, so I'm just going to run up there and change, and I'm just going to continue this since you set it up so uh, uh, <laughs> conveniently. And so I, so I, right before I went downstairs to do the program, I thought, you know, I'll go ahead and pull this Murphy bed out and... Uh, and I moved a big conference table so that I could pull the bed out. And I went to pull the Murphy bed out and the entire wall came all the cabinetry, the bed, and I have a Murphy bed at home. So I kind of know how this works. And, uh, the entire wall, uh, collapsed on top of me and uh, blew out my shoulder, my knee crushed my left foot. And, uh, the show must go on, right, dude. And the so, show must go on, and a lot of people don't fully get that that have normal jobs, but, uh, you know, our farm people understand it. It's, you know what they say? It's, you got to make hay when the sun shines. Well, that's yep. how it is in showbiz. The show must we don't go on stage. We don't get, on, we don't get paid. So I, so I literally – uh, I, I did do one thing smart. I knew that if I didn't get that shoe on first before the foot swelled up, I wouldn't get it on. So I immediately uh, slipped my shoe on because I didn't have my shoes on at the time. And uh, – and then shuffled downstairs and uh, did 45 minutes in excruciating pain. <laughs> I normally move around a lot on stage. I didn't move at all. And I think they thought it was part of the act. But uh, when I got off of the uh, stage, they had a wheelchair for me. And I got in the wheelchair and they rushed me to the ER and, and uh, patched me up and got me back home. And, and then that's when I called you. I thought because I had an MC job and I was going to have to be going on and off stage, on and off stage. No way could I do that on crutches with a crushed left foot. So I, I called you up and you, you bailed me out. And I since thought about that a lot. You know, the, those, uh, those Murphy beds are, they should be illegal, really. They, in fact, I'd call it Murphy's Law. Wait a minute. <laughs> There's the punchline right there. Yeah. So, yeah, the way this works, uh, dear listeners, was uh, I picked up the gig the next weekend because Mark was hobbled, injured, broken foot, bad back, et cetera, from having a wall fall over on him in a hotel. I went to uh, Spokane and covered the MC duties for the uh, Tri-State Wheat Conference hosted by the Washington Association of Wheat Growers. So, hey, it's not all, it's not all fun and games in this business. Yeah, well, you know, it's, you wouldn't think that, uh, you know, just staying in a hotel room, you could nearly die but you can apparently but uh, but yeah so uh you have those and then you have other encounters like uh 
you know, you just, you know, traveling, uh, uh, you and I both said, sometimes you just sit in the airport and look at people. Sometimes the person you sit next to on the airplane uh, is delightful, sit next to a vegan the other day. And uh, of course, I knew she was vegan because she had a bag of sticks and twigs that she was eating out of. And uh, I, I, of course, walked in with a, a, a Nathan's hot dog because I like, <laughs> you know, I like all of my meats in, in, in a tube. Uh, to consume it once. My and wife so picks on me because I eat hot dogs probably about, uh, I'll eat three hot dogs a week. I like hot dogs. Oh. And when you said you knew this chick was a vegan that you were sitting next to on the airplane, I'm, I, I almost have this nose for it. And it, where the vegan types, and of course some of them do smell because they're kind of earthy types and whatnot. So you sit next to the vegan and this. Well, first this, of all, I didn't know. I just thought she was a vegetarian. And I find out later, you know, there is a difference between a vegetarian and a vegan. And, uh, you know, a vegan is someone that will not eat anything, eat anything that is or is derived from flavor. Yeah. And, and so uh, I found out later that there's a difference. Of course, I told her this didn't, this didn't start the conversation off very well. I told her that vegan was actually uh, derived from a Latin word that means bad hunter. And so that didn't help either. But we had a healthy conversation about food production uh, in America. And of course, she's convinced that uh, all producers of food products are uh, greedy uh, mega farmers that are just trying to poison America and will do anything to get another uh, bushel uh, of yield from an acre, even if it means poisoning uh, the world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and which, you know. That's like a pretty rational human you're sitting next to. There. Yes. It was, yeah. We had a delightful, uh, delightful call. I did jack her up though because uh, here's something I found out. Uh, I just wanted to mess with her a little bit, and so if you want to mess with a vegan, this is what you do: eat a box of animal cookies in front because <laughs> they don't know what to do. They're puzzled by that. They're they're totally flummoxed. They don't well, know. Technically, it doesn't go against their thing. It's just the concept. One thing, an animal, yes. So one yeah. thing that I do because I don't try to reason with food lunatics. I tell these vegans and vegetarians uh, when they, I, I go right down the road, Mark, of you're right. Not only do I like killing stuff and eating it, I think about eating vegans and vegetarians. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. You should taste really good. If your whole diet is, is celery and cranberries and bread, those are the ingredients for stuffing. Yes. I never thought about that. That's a, that's a good point. That's a, that's a good point. There's stuff that Mark Mayfield and I get because of our agricultural background. The listeners to this program, the business of agriculture, get things that the average person does not. Funny things that you and I can say to an ag audience that you can't say to another audience. Sure. And you know, and, and you know, I, you and I joke about that. And I, and I have no problem. I've got family members that are vegetarians and so forth. My problem, my problem is that some of those vegans and vegetarians are so condescending to the rest of us because we have a different opinion and and that's where i really have a problem with people becomes, in general it becomes this idea that because they don't eat cheeseburgers they are morally superior yes. to the 98 percent of the populace that chooses to not be vegetarian preposterous yes. that they they are, they come across as elitist and i'm not saying all vegetarians or vegans do but those are the ones i have a problem with are you know are those that they, they think they're just a smidgen better and they're more enlightened uh and that's why they don't they're not a uh, they're only a herbivore and not a carnivore and i am a carnivore 
I go in a little different direction. I don't mind offending them. As I point out to my crowds, there's no harm in offending vegetarians. The average vegetarian does not possess the strength to throw a punch. That is true. That is true. You know, All right. Is- Other things that you and I get that our lovely audience here can appreciate. We make jokes about stuff that they don't probably, that the average American wouldn't get. And I tell my ag audiences this all the time. For instance, I do a bit uh, about farm camp to a lot of my ag audiences. Things you know if you were raised rural. And then I go through this thing about cats. And I swear to you, uh, farm people are the last humans on earth that still could appreciate that cats in suburbia are one thing. Cats on the farm they're just these things that run around in the barn. It's really different. Raised. And I always point out when the suburban family comes out and they say, oh, what cute little kitties. And when they go over and try and catch it, that's usually when it becomes <laughs> entertainment for us. So stuff that you might do to an ag audience or say that you wouldn't say or uh, material you couldn't use for a non-ag audience. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and you that's a, best, that's a great example. Barn cat. Totally different than you know your suburbia uh, house cat. Uh, barn cats are just one notch below a bobcat uh, in terms of uh, ferocity and 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 uh, anger and and hatefulness. Quite honestly, yeah. What kind of stuff? What kind of stuff would you talk about to an ag audience that you wouldn't be able to then take over to the insurance uh, agents meeting in Oakland in, in uh, you know New York? Well. You know, you talk about milking a cow, uh, you you know, which I did growing up. Uh, you talk about uh, being punished behind the barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're not going to connect with that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, any example about, you know, like my, like my grandpa, he was a, we would haul hay with him. And he knew if the grandkids were going to haul hay, he, he bumped up the weight in those bales to something far higher than what he would use if he was hauling hay. So, you know, they don't connect to you know, a lot of that stuff that we just considered was common. And the, the one thing, too, is that I think particularly the generation just older than me, they were they had sayings and they had phrases that we just didn't connect. My grandpa had a phrase every time we take a sip of water hauling hay, it was, boy, whoever invented that water sure knows what he's doing. <laughs> he would say it every single time. and And you know and so to this day i can be on the golf course and i'll take a sip of water and what do we suppose i say boy whoever invented that water sure knows what he's doing yeah there's a probably there's probably the reality that we've got a bunch of sayings from uh from yesteryear of agriculture that are about to go extinct plant plant your plant your wheat in the dust and your bins will bust make yes. hay while the sun shines uh uh, uh Slaughtered a fat hog. Um, I'm trying to think of some others here. Well, my, my, and I think too that the kind of connect to that. I think there's something about at least my dad and my grandpa, they thought that if a joke was good or if a line was good, you could not overuse it. Absolutely. <laughs> and so they would tell the same joke over. I must have heard this joke a million times. People would say, We had a lot of kids in the family, as did you. And people would say to my dad, How come you got many kids? How, how come you got so many kids in the family? My dad would say, because my wife is hard of hearing. And of course, that would get the question, you know, I don't understand. And he'd say, every night I get in bed, I roll next to my wife and I say, you want to go to sleep or what? She'd say, what? (laughs) He would tell that every, a a salesperson could come to the front door, an insurance salesman, the minister, whatever. He would tell that story every single time. They think if it's a good joke, 
It's always a good joke. And they would laugh, and people that had heard it 50 times would laugh like they'd never heard it before. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Your, 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 your business and my business of talking in front of crowds, we should probably point out that about half of our competitors uh, are just like your father and your grandfather. They think that there's no reason to change your material for 50 years. Because I can tell you that I have, <laughs> I have always been diligent about putting out new material and new ideas to my crowds, as have you. But boy, do we have some people out here that are still lost in 1980. Okay, well, that's, that's one reason, Damien, that uh, this uh, other writing friend of mine he and I started uh, this joke writing service because it forces us to write, to look at headlines and write jokes every day. And our subscribers get, uh, as, as do you, you get three topical jokes every day. Uh, and they're not going to have shelf life, but it forces us to constantly write, constantly create. And you know what? This is a good segue. And I think that's what we got to keep doing in agriculture is you've got to constantly change, adapt, morph, create. Those that don't aren't going to be around. They're just not. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a business that there are transformations going on. And I know that we're steeped in tradition and we like that kind of thing. But if you still want to go out and say, well, that's what grandpa did, you're going to struggle in any business and particularly in agriculture. We need to make sure we're always at the front, uh, forefront of innovation and transformation. Let's put a little ag in perspective here. And by the way, if you're listening, you're saying, I want some of those jokes. MarkMayfield.com. That's Mark Mayfield. Dot com or funnier you they can find that funnier you as in university funnier the letter U. you could give him a little bit of money and every day in your inbox you would have jokes also he's got books he's got all kinds of stuff mark we are both ag people and we go all around north america talking to different ag people we know the mood's a little bit down the gist of today was to have a little fun and a little levity and not be too heavy let's put things in perspective there have been wet springs before. There have been cold, snowy Aprils before. There have been dry, windy droughts in the Western Plains. We've been through low prices before. I'm still optimistic for the future of ag. Give me some perspective from your end. Well, uh, my per perspective is exactly the same. As I mentioned earlier, there's been peaks and valleys. Uh, not to name drop, but I worked with uh, uh, Secretary Purdue uh, recently, and and he was very upfront, straightforward, saying there's a lot of concern in agriculture. There's concern about Trump's policies. There's concern about trade, as you might guess. But that that meeting, he said, give us some time, keep the faith. Uh, agriculture is going to be protected. It is the residual uh, part of the American economy. We will never uh, sacrifice that. Uh, stability uh because that determines america's stability so he said hang in there stay there and we're already seeing that a little bit tpp is back on the table so I, there's reason for optimism we just gotta stay the course and hang in there and and i want to add one more thing too we have a lot of people in agriculture that for years just let other people speak for us take care of us protect us it's our job and you and i are out there promoting we we want other people to do exactly the same thing. It's like that old riddle. Remember that riddle, you know, five frogs set on a log, uh, three decided to jump, how many were left? And your, your first instinct is to say two. No, all five were left because all they did was decide to jump. They didn't jump. And, and a lot of times in agriculture, we go, you know, we got to tell our story and we got to get out there and we got to stay optimistic. And we, we just decide that, but we don't ever do it. 
So I guess my parting shot would be, uh, don't just decide to promote agriculture, talk agriculture and stay optimistic and stay the course and be creative, actually do it. I don't think we could wrap up any better. You've been listening to Mark Mayfield, my friend, my guest, and uh, a guy that is my sort of peer on the marketplace. We are here. We, we both speak. Oh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm way better than you. Okay, we'll admit that. <laughs> Taller, more handsome, better. Mark Mayfield was our older, guest. Way older. And a little bit older, yes. He's a little bit older. Mark Mayfield's been our guest. Find him at markmayfield.com. Check him out on social media. Go to Funnier U. That's the letter U. If you want some jokes, uh, you know what? I appreciate you joining us. Again, I know it wasn't heavy today, but you've had enough heavy. You've been stressing about trade. You've been stressing about the weather. Spring's been elusive. Agriculture, this was your morale booster. Thanks for joining me. Do it again next week. I'm Damian Mason. You've been listening to the Business of Agriculture. Do it again. Thanks.